Good evening and welcome to In the Pub with Mike Bradbury, the uh, cinema technology podcast of the global CTC cinema technology community where we discuss and talk about cinema technology and all things related to cinema, to be honest. Uh, Although tonight we are most definitely not in the pub, um, as that would get us all into trouble. And we are all in our homes uh, with some vin rouge and I assume some canned or bottled beers and maybe a gin and tonic or two, um, doing this over the interwebs. Uh, I will start out by saying that we are on the interwebs because the interweb is particularly strained in these troubled times and we are not complete we can't completely guarantee that we won't lose a member or two but with the wonders of editing software uh the wonders of editing software um and i'm sure things um will work out but if not then our elves will sort it out in the edit uh so enough of this uh, let's get over to our mainstays and guests for tonight. And we have Kevin Mark Quick, the Picture House Cinema in Uckfield. And Tony Purvis, Amberlyn Partners from The Kitchen. And we have our special guest for tonight, and he is Adam McDonald, GDC Europe Technology. And welcome, CTC welcome, member Adam. as well from uh, from sunny West Berkshire. Excellent. Uh, just a little bit of inside information. Adam is normally one of our elves that uh, sorts out all of the technology <laughs> side. Um, and or buys the beers. The, yeah, yeah. He's, step, <laughs> he's stepping in tonight for one of our guests could not make it. So thank you very much, Adam. Short notice and all. Uh, I appreciate it. So we have lots of good topics for tonight to discuss. Let's get on with it. Um, so... Uh, rogue ratios this is the term I give to anything that's basically not flat or scope Um, so in recent times probably starting or certainly um, being one of the first ones with with a 2.0 to 1 ratio which sort of got to get everyone screwing around what the hell does that mean Uh, with Jurassic World I think it was 2016 or 15. Mm. Um, With Jurassic World, we we had a two-to-one ratio, and that kind of put the whole world into a bit of a spin. Colin Trevorrow uh, then followed it up with Book of Henry, and I know, because I've checked, because I do these kind of things, I checked on IMDB that Jurassic World Dominion will also be in a 2.0-to-one ratio. Why? because he just likes it and that's what we're trying to discuss why are we looking at lots of different ratios um everybody think it's a an annoying thing a good thing we don't care how's it go can i can i just say what why are we classing it as a rogue ratio what is the rogue element other than the fact it's different because uh, we standardized ratios at 185 and mm-hmm. 235 or 239, however you're going to look at it, um, mm-hmm. in the like late 80s, early 90s. So I presume that a rogue ratio is anything that fell before that or anything new from later days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've always had we've always had different ratios. You know what I mean? With, um, with you know, lots of different films have come out in lots of different ratios. Mm. Um, but when digital happened. It was generally looked at, as you know, everything was now flat and scope. And mm-hmm. scope kind of changed a little bit because it went from 235 to 239 because you no longer had to leave a little bit of the side of the film for the soundtrack anymore because you didn't yeah. need to. Um, mm. So 
So, you know, there's there's always been a, a, a few different ratios, but as I say, digital, flat and scope, 185, 2 to 1, sorry, not 2 to 1, 2.35 to 1, um, and mm. we've, 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 we've now got 2.1 to 1, we've got 2.2 to 1 with Dunkirk, um, you know, Transformers what? was in... Transformers the last <laughs> night, Michael Bay's Transformers was in four different ratios in the same film. Nah, um, it me, as an exhibitor, it drives me absolutely potty. It really does. Because we get so little information coming down the line. No one tells us they're doing this until like Thursday before the Friday. And then I and, and because I like to show the film as uh, the best that I can, I can't alter my masking in time. I can't get the screen files done in time. It but you can't alter your crazy. masking and and such like for variable um, ratios anyway. Um, no? I have it. Well, I have in one yeah, theatre. Yeah, yeah, I have in one theatre. Yeah, I do. I can. No, no, no. You can't. What I, what I think he means is if like some like Transformers, which is changing mm. the the ratio within oh, the yes. movie. Yeah, during yeah, yeah, yeah. within the movie, sure. then obviously sure. you screw, you screw. Which happens yeah, quite okay. a lot. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to be an absolute pain in the bum here and say that I... So one of my favourite films uh, from one of my favourite director, directors is uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Wes Anderson. Yes, I was, I was going to bring that one up. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. So Wes Anderson, um, during that film, has three different aspect ratios, but it's for a, a storytelling purpose. So obviously The Grand Budapest Hotel, if you haven't seen it, you really should. For those that have seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's... Um, it basically shows the history of aspect ratios. So you have scenes that are shot in uh, from 1985 to present, and those uh, those parts are in 185. Mm-hmm. And then for the 1960s, it's 2.35. And then for the 1930s parts, it's Academy. Um, so mm-hmm. I, although I understand the technical issues and headache that it does bring, I definitely, definitely worked as a projectionist during the artist. Um, so I understand yeah. that entirely. But um, for a creative standpoint, and when it's done correctly, I think it's very effective and it really does suck you into that that story. Um, and maybe maybe that's just for the uh, technical folk. I'm not sure, but uh, you know, for me, it made me think. Oh, this is definitely earlier. Th- because it's in academy, and this is definitely set at a later time because it's in widescreen. Yeah. I think I think that film worked because it was in a scope format initially, and then they just reduced the ratios within the scope uh, footprint effectively uh, during the film. So, is it, was that what we were supposed to do? Because I got very confused with the instructions on that one. Whether yeah, we were I supposed think so. to show it flat or scope, I, I got very confused. Yeah, I think yeah, we're supposed to it show supposed it to scope. scope. Mm. Yeah, it's the and, same for um, a serious man. They did the prologue in four by three, but the rest of the film was one eight five. So you should have projected it in one eight five for that one. Right. Yeah, yeah, but it does does create a lot of confusion out there. Um, and well, when, I mean, does. when when you when you're setting stuff up, when you're setting the projectors up, you know, there's a lot of test patterns out there that you can set mm. flat and scope, but there's not that many test patterns within the mm. same test patterns that you can set it up for two to one or you know 2.2 to one or anything like that um, but what's the thing is this is a kind of a digital thing and particularly with the um the um dunkirk which is kind of a bit annoying that because what he was trying to do is recreate the shape of 70 mil wasn't he on digital i believe mm. 
And, you know, in the olden, olden days, what we used to do, you know, a 70 mil film went out in scope. It was just, it was just anamorphicized onto, onto 35 mil mm. and you showed it scope and you just cut a bit of the picture off. Nobody ever complained. <laughs> Nobody ever noticed. You showed Lawrence Arabia in scope. Technically, you were probably cutting a bit off the, what would it be? The top and bottom, I suppose. Yeah, mm. the top and bottom. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, really, people didn't get wound up about that at all. But then a lot of that surely is down to the contrast ratio, isn't it? If you've got a very high contrast ratio, and like you said, Mike, if you're playing it within the container of scope or flat, but it, the background is black, it's better than it being very grey, isn't it? Where you, you obviously it looks framed versus, um, you know, uh, completely black or near to black. Mm. Well, yeah. this is kind of a. I mean, a moot point in that most places don't even have masking, do they? So, this is kind of fairly sadly moot not. Point. Sadly not. I've got to assume most cinemas don't have masking for sure. Yeah, no. I mean, to be honest, that's that's not a new thing. I remember, no. I remember going watch um, Jurassic Park Two: Lost World, and it was a flat film, flat film on a static scope screen. I remember being horrified because that was my first ever experience with a static screen with no scope masking right, right. Um, and I actually complained and said you know you need, you've need you forgotten to bring the masking in <laughs> and they said no we don't have anything and I said no 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 all you do is just a button that you press and it comes in it's fine you've you just forgotten to do it um, I, think, I, went, no. I think from the they were probably like point, who's this tosser no, <laughs> exactly and they were right <laughs> but I think from the exhibitor point of view I guess the filmmaker is in charge of the process. Ultimately, it's their film. They can have it shown however they want. But could we have a bit more communication, please? That would be my point. Tell us earlier. I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend this here because um, (laughs) (laughs) so so obviously I work in international distribution. So we Hmm. we we work with various different distributors uh, around the world. Um, and we, we do tell everyone what aspect ratio it is, and they are aware of what aspect ratio it is because they have to do their press screenings. Um, and you might tell the distributor, of, well, but you're yeah, not well, telling the exhibitor. Yeah, but that's not our job. So maybe, well, okay, fair so enough. So maybe, you know, I would happily I would happily tell every single distributor in the UK mm. how to screen mm. this, you know, particular film, um, but I'm pretty sure that the distributor was going to be really angry if I took that role. Um, sure. So, so maybe that's something that, you know, maybe a communication yeah. channel needs to be forced no. from the cinema to the distributor because the distributor think that the exhibitor don't need to know. Yeah, I think that was my frustration. My frustration is with the distributor not telling us early enough that these things are coming down the pipe. You know, they did. I'd, I'd cope with it. It's fine. It's not a problem. But I just need to I need to know. Yeah, I prefer I, they stuck to so, the two ratios, but you know, whatever. what kind of? Well, that's never going to happen. Creative genius no. does not work within <laughs> two boundaries. Um, so, <laughs> so, how much? How much notice would you need to have to be able to prep your your systems, your your projector, well, well, and your screen? Given the number of screens Mike's got, about a year, I think. But um... yeah, see, that that is a point because it, it's all right if you're you know if you send a letter to Kevin. And he's got, you know, one cinema to sort out or one auditorium to say, okay, I can just rejig this projector for this show Mm. or whatever, then that's fine. But when you've got, you know, nearly 3,000 screens to change across Europe, then it's it's a bit different. Um, Not not just myself, obviously, there's there's others out there as well um, with, with, you know, just 25 cinemas, for instance, and not necessarily got a technical person on site. Um, what, what, What my thought process is, is, you know, if if the this is not a one-off anymore, do you know what I mean this this is not 
this is not like some, you know, crazy um, director or cinematographer that wants to do something different or wants to be different. It's this is happening more and more. Do you know what I mean? And and you know, Wes Anderson's new film. Um, What's it called? The French Dispatch. The French Dispatch. Oh, I can't so wait for that. I cannot wait. Is that, for that in film. multiple yeah, aspect that. ratios? Yeah, it is. Oh, I bet. I bet it, it is. is. It is. It's uh, <laughs> It's in. It's in scope and it's in Academy. Right. Man, um, I love that guy. I depending, love that guy. Uh, so he's, but that's fine because he's probably going to release it in scope, which means it's going to fill the screen, and then the Academy bit's going to be in scope container. So it's going to with a grey border. To, with a grey border, but the grey border will be there, and it will look. It will look. It won't look right, but it won't look wrong if you know what I mean. Mm. Because you, you've, I think there's a there's a difference if you've got letterboxing or letterboxing and pillar boxing. I think he's just going to be doing something that's, um, well, it, it's gonna it's not going to look wrong if you've got a scope screen. It's probably going to look look wrong if you've got a static flat screen. That's quite ironic that somebody like him, who is a cinephile, releases something that is not at all cinematically that achievable. I think he harks back to the olden days, though. I think he has a little bit of nostalgic for when there were people that could perhaps um, uh, change things on the fly. So although he's not a Nolan film um, person, I think that... um, he, he does hark back to the creativity and the ability to adjust at the last minute. Mm. Okay, mm. that's interesting. Because mm. if you've noticed on things like Netflix and stuff now, they're shooting TV shows in what is effectively scope. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, there's, really there's is. Netflix have really embraced the two-to-one ratio. I mean, mm. Cows of Cards, The Crown, Lemony Snicket, Stranger Things, you know, mm. the, all Fargo, Handmaid's Tale, all these things are shot in two-to-one. And they've mm. got slight borders, and some of them, you know, Star yeah. Trek Picard, and I think Star Trek Discovery, well, and the Ozark yeah. are in scope. Well, they are, but for farties like me, <laughs> who have a scope screen at home, yeah, get me. <laughs> the subtitles are under the picture, so it completely mm. ruins the effect. If you yeah. could move the subtitles up, it'd be much, much, you know, into the into the area of the picture. That would be much better. But yeah, that's definitely two, three, five, isn't it, Picard? Definitely. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. definitely, and I don't, mm. I don't get it because something like Picard is is bound to only be shown on TV. Yeah, uh, so why you would want to have bars on TV? It looks I, cinematic. Just, that's why. Yeah, but that's how, exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Adam. It looks cinematic, it doesn't it? And and it's shot on the same cameras as cinema, which twenty years ago TV wasn't. TV looked no. TV, didn't it? it? Never looked cinematic. It, now there's a complete blur it might between be cinematic, all of that. but. It, can it be? Can it be cinematic if it's never going to show in a cinema? It can look movie? cinematic. Yeah, you can always it. aspire. You can always aspire. Well, to, like, don't get me wrong. That. If you're if you're making a direct to DVD or direct to streaming film, and you think you know one day this might show in a cinema, and therefore I want to make it in scope, then I understand it. But Star Trek Picard is never going to see the inside of a cinema. I don't know. I I asked other filmmakers about this and they say, well, it's just a creative decision to make it look like that. And that's really the only answer I think you're going to get, to be honest, that they want it to look as tiny as cinema. But it was also marketed in in a cinematic Mm. way, wasn't it? It was all over the underground. It was very theatrically marketed. Mm. Like if you didn't know it was at the cinema, you'd assume it might be at the cinema. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Picard, it, it looked great. Picard wasn't. It was it's Amazon Prime, isn't it? It's on. Mm. It does look mm. good, but it's it's like, well, why can't you do it in a two to one, and then you've still got a bit of a cinematic black bar, but you've not got as big a one. Um, no. So I mean, I don't know, mm. but you know, the the point is, you know, should we not be setting our projectors up now to multiple formats as standard, knowing that these are going to come across in the future? I think that would be future proofing. Yeah, I think it would be very helpful to do yeah, that. Yeah, but what are they? But what are they going to be, Tony? Which which ones? Which ones? Four by three? Sorry, why I keep calling it four by three. Why don't you just but, do them all? <laughs> all but, all of the potential. Four by three, two to one. Yeah, how many but I macros need, can you have? <laughs> yeah, but I, I can have as many as I like. But um, I need to know how how many. How you know? Sorry, I need to know what what's coming down the line. So it's two to one, which I've got. Uh, I mean, pretty much set up from uh, Dunkirk, I suppose, have I? I don't know. That was 2.2 um, 2 to 1. 2.2 2 to 1, yeah. Uh, and it, what we're calling Academy. Uh, I mean, there was that other one recently. What was that? There was some... Oh, God, what was the film? There was in some random old um, silent film ratio. What was that? It was really The Lighthouse. Weird. The Lighthouse, yeah. That was it. I mean, for Was that say. Academy or was that one no, three no, seven? It, it was pre-Academy, it was almost, wasn't it? It was like silent yeah, Well, it was, it was one three seven. Yeah, it was some weird ratio that they used yeah. very infrequently before they'd worked out sound on film. Well, yeah, it was that's a, it. Yeah. That's it. It was always one three seven before. Yeah. What the was bait? Yeah, bait was also an old. Uh, God, uh, sixteen mil though, wasn't it? Which is different again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the so, Lighthouse's director's previous film, The Witch, was also one point three seven mm. to one. He's just got this. Yeah, I think he must think it creates this claustrophobia. Uh, because the image is is thinner. I think um, it's kind of it kind of did with. The, I think it I definitely did witch, with the witch. But it, it did with the the lighthouse certainly. I felt well suffocated, shall we say? Yeah, yeah I mean, it used to be really easy in the olden days with a with academy. You just had you you chose your lens size. You had a pre cut plate, and you just put and then masked in. It was dead easy. But you know, it's just I don't know. I think it's uh, very strange. Yeah, and do, was... do the public notice? Do the public notice any of this? That's the thing. Do the customers notice? Well, I think they probably do. Um, yeah, we. we I'm, g- I'm going to say yes as well. Yeah, yeah. we. Got, we got, my problem is when when you you have to play something and it looks wrong. It looks like you're uh-huh. projecting it wrong. Yeah. Um, you know something that's hmm. uh, like two to one. If you two to one, if you play it in flat and you haven't zoomed it up hmm. slightly. Uh, on mm. a static scope screen means you've got pillar boxing down the side and you've got slight letterboxing at the top and bottom and it just looks yeah. like you're projecting it wrong and it looks like you're an amateur even yeah. though that's what they've asked you to do mm. Um, mm. and you know obviously if you've got it um, preset so you've got a two to one ratio you can zoom it up slightly so you're filling more of the screen mm-hmm. uh, and that's great but if you've got and if you've got a static flat screen then that's kind of in my opinion in this if you can't have masking that is my that is my go-to ratio now which is a static flat uh because because you've got you've got you've always got the sides masked and it's just a question of whether you've got no black bars a little bit of a black bar or a bigger black bar uh it's it's controversial uh potentially um but if you can't put masking in uh or you 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 know you you then that's that's what you look at. The problem is, is when you get a prob- when you get a film like the French Dispatch, which will play in scope and academy. 
the academy mm. section is going to look like mm. a postage stamp. In the but then it depends what well, your actually, screen I, ratio is, doesn't it, Mike? If you, you know, because it's going to be flat or scope, isn't it? It's fixed hard screen size. You want it to zoom out to scope, not be shrunk down to scope. Well, I would anyway. Well, yeah, you do. Sometimes you can't. I mean, because if you, if for instance, if you've got an IMAX screen, mm. which is generally a one point nine ratio, uh, and you're showing a CinemaScope film on there, then obviously you've got borders top and bottom. Yeah. Uh, so if you, I mean, not that you would probably watch the French Dispatch in an IMAX screen. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. Um, but then, how did that? How does that? work does it go full can they can they remaster it so it goes full screen um as in big and then goes back down can it, it how do you do mm. it because with, with all the changing of ratios you know there are a lot of cinemas out there that have got either static scope or static flat screens and they just they just don't they don't lend themselves all of these different ratios don't lend themselves no matter what cinema you chain you're in friend of mine he has um several very successful cinemas and he's made the decision just to make all his screens two to one and just make everything fill that which is yeah. kind of a bit you know it's a kind of one way of doing it i suppose yeah Not we've to, done presuming, that yeah you have done that yeah yeah yeah, yeah we've done that yeah. we've got a lot of two to one ratio screens now mm. um mm. and and there's even people uh you know discussing um in some cinema chains where you just just fill that screen with fill that wall with screen uh, and we'll fit the screen. We'll fit the image to to the to the mm. to yeah. the screen. Then it becomes an architectural discussion, doesn't it? As well, well as a yeah, screen that was, discussion. That upsets yeah. me. Yeah, upsets me too because they're too bloody big. <laughs> That's the point. Well, there you is know. one prom- prominent screen uh, in in central London which has done exactly mm. that, isn't there? Um, yeah. And it it looks pretty, in my opinion, awful. Um, like you unless, unless you're in the back row. Yeah, but even even then, I it, you can't see everything, and you know I, no. I haven't gone there for that experience. No, me too. Me me neither. Mm. So, do you know what two to one ratio is called? Uh, no. Go on. Univisium. What? what? You it's made called, that up? I haven't. It's called Univisium, <laughs> and it was invented by Vito Storaro, who did the Ooh. cinematography for The Last Emperor, which we were ah. talking about off air <laughs> yeah. earlier. Ah. And he also did um, Apocalypse Now, and he did Woody Allen's yeah. recent new ones. Oh, not allowed to say Woody Allen. Meh. Um, but he, apparently he convinced Woody Allen to do Cafe Society, Wonder Wheel, and Rainy Day in New York all in two-to-one ratios. Oh, okay. Um, and apparently, uh, I didn't know this, uh, but he, he did it on 35 mil as well. I don't know if you remember right. the Exorcist sequels that came out in 2005, the Dominion one by Paul Schrader. Yeah, um, loved but, it. Yep. But apparently he filmed he that in two-to-one ratio. Ah. Okay. Um, that's awesome, Mike. And in response to you, um, Kev, no, yeah. it's not good. Um, <laughs> was that a Paul Schrader film? I didn't know that. Bloody hell. Yeah, well, there was, was two. Yeah, yeah, there was, was two. They they made they made it. It's a really interesting story. They made it, and the the producers hated it. So rather than just make edits, they made the film again, the same script completely with a different director. So there's two yeah. different versions out there. There's the Paul Schrader one, and there's the Rennie Harlan one. Rennie Harlan. God, what happened to him? Yeah. Millionaire. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, Die Hard Two director. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Cutthroat oh, Island. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest disasters ever. That apparently. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, even smartphones, I'm just going to say this because I wrote it down, but smartphones are also starting to come out with a two-to-one ratio. Uh, yeah, but the other way up, presumably. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> LG, 6, LG G6 and the Samsung S8 apparently have two-to-one ratio screens. So, a bit of information there. And what are most TVs in terms of ratio? If TVs have a relatively standard ratio, new flat-screen TVs? 16 by 9. 16 All of them. by 9. Yeah. Yeah, whatever Apart that is. from the big curved ones, yeah. So, anyway, so, we're going uh, on now. We've, we've, I think oh, we've done ratios. just going to give you a bit of home entertainment info go there. On. Go on. Then. All right. Yeah. So, so just so you're all aware, um, all that we're currently getting orders for for home entertainment in general is still sixteen by nine, yeah. and yeah. and two three nine. We do get two three nine as well. All right. Okay. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, next topic: light levels. Mm. Uh, I've, I've uh, said. Just because I'm we for can, them. you're for light levels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just because like we can go team. brighter doesn't mean we should. Uh, well, as long as it's mastered correctly, Tony, then we'll be fine. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I say when I say brightness levels, what I'm talking about is anything above the 14 foot Lamberts, because obviously we want everything to be 14 foot Lamberts, but. Do we want anything brighter than that? Because there obviously there are technologies that are coming out that are uh, available that you can go a lot brighter. Uh, LED screens, some pro- a lot of laser projectors can go a lot brighter. You know, do we need it? Do we want it? Should it be there? So, so I, I think that uh, going back to what Kev just said, um, if it's mastered for that light level, then yeah, why not? If the technology is there and it's been mastered correctly for that technology, then there's no reason why we shouldn't. Um, and then let's just see how it goes, hey? I mean, personally for me, if there's too much light, I get a headache or I start sneezing. Um, so 14-foot Lambert scope is fine for me. But um, mm-hmm. as a yeah, I, I don't think we should say no. We should definitely experiment and see where we can go with it. Unless you start sneezing. Well, yeah. I would just have to unfortunately give negative feedback and insist that we must go back to the old golden days. Ah, the golden days. We get um, uh, we we we're kind of achieving about sixteen foot Lamberts on our screen, and that's about right for me. Show off. Yeah. Well, I like a sparkly <laughs> picture, but you can overdo it, and I th- and it looks lovely, and it's fine. Why do we need to go brighter? The only reason you need to bring these things in surely is to make sure everyone else has got a nice bright picture. Is that why? Do you think, Mike? Is that why we would make them brighter? Um, you know, to to sort of head people who don't look after their equipment and make sure they're properly calibrated at the pass. Because I, I I think you're still going to get the same problem. You know, possibly. What I'm really trying to get at, I suppose, is what if the new standard said everything needed to be 30-foot Lamberts, for instance? Sorry, everyone's going to have to invest a lot of money into new equipment yeah, in that case. of course, yeah, um, of course. You know, everyone's yeah. done it before, but they only did it 15 years ago, so let's wait for another 15 years till people have to do that, and maybe after epidemics. So what's the motivation <laughs> for going brighter you know, is it is it is it because creatives want it? Is it because projector and LED manufacturers want you to run it higher so it won't last as long, so you can buy it, buy more is, of them? Is there a motivation sooner? to go brighter? 
Is yeah, um, that was going to be my question. Who who's pushing us to go brighter? Is somebody doing that? Do you do you think that maybe it's the the technology that's being brought in can't go lower than a certain light level, as opposed to them going to dizzying heights on purpose? Maybe things like LED screens, they find it difficult to be at a fourteen foot Lambert, or whether the mm. NIT capacity is in relation to that. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're suddenly sopping. Uh, you know, coming up with a SOP for LED screens, that seems like the wrong way to go to me. But there you go. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to if people do start to invest in that sort of uh, equipment. But again, that can all be done in the post-production, uh, post-production stage. It doesn't need to be done at the early creative stage unless the filmmaker or the creative wants it to be that way. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, I'm, I'm still curious as to where this has come from, where the demand for more light levels has come from. Is it just a, you know, a, a pissing contest or what? Is it a knee-jerk reaction to being too dull? No, well, I mean, most uh, there are a lot of cinemas out there who could up their light levels instantly by cleaning the bloody portholes. But you know, <laughs> and the lens, and the lens, yeah. and, the and the lens, prism, yes. and the prism. <laughs> I don't think that there's no pull from the consumers for light levels at all, is there? General no, public, I would say not. They're not. No, they're I, not I complaining about right. brightness or darkness generally no may- maybe not specifically i mean i mean i do but you know i'm not the normal yeah. customer i suppose um but i think i think it's making sure that the experience when you're watching the film isn't compromised and even though the some people might not realize it's too dark i think you know it, because it is too dark then it affects the experience mm. not quite they're not quite sure why they might even, i mean i've done this um, you know, you can blame the cinematographer for, for photographing it too dark before you realise actually it was the projector that wasn't projecting it bright enough. Mm, mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, uh, sure, sure, yeah, surely the light, le- yeah, well, sure, but surely the light levels we have now are perfectly adequate if it's all done properly, aren't they? I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Well, that's the question. If it is, is there any mm. need to go higher? And I don't no, want to sound I like I'm no. trying to stunt technology and no, no, innovation, no, no. but. No. I was um, I was reading an article earlier from a chat from um, Alamo Cinemas. Um, it was quite an old article, um, but it said uh, that he basically asked two questions when he was introducing any um, new technology. First question was, will it enhance the true movie-going experience or is it a distraction? The second question was, will it still enable us to present the movie the way that the director intended it to be presented? So the light level situation... Maybe that's another annoying conversation that we have to have with filmmakers and distributors and exhibitors to work out what the intention is and who is requesting this level and, and whether it's a manufacturing manufacturer point of view. I mean, Mr. GDC might be able to answer the question. Like, who's, it's, It goes back to the age old who is driving who situation is it the technology driving the creative or is the creative driving the technology yeah i mean it's not a well certainly with my gdc hat on this is you know the light levels is nothing to do with us but i think even from a led manufacturer point of view i mean i worked at sony previously but also know samsung very well i don't think there's a massive push just because they can go brighter that they, they, they should, you know, for certainly with Hollywood content. I mean, I've never heard anybody saying we can do 40, 50, 60 foot Lamberts. We should. Uh, no one says that's, you know, the 14 foot Lambert simply seems to be accepted and is fine. And that's what these systems play out at. 
in which case that brings me back to the whole pissing contest situation whereby someone just wants to release a press release saying hey look at us we've got this brand new system and we can get you 50 foot lamberts without the actual consumer knowing what that means or how it impacts their situation and whether it's for better or for worse it's just a a brag yeah there's enough confusing um stuff out there already isn't there with the extreme screen and all this sort of thing they don't need all I am, that well. i'm in the industry and i'm confused about what i need to mm. go and see and what i do not need to go and see <laughs> <laughs> But that's the whole laser yeah. thing, isn't it? And I think you, you know, Mike will get that between sort of phosphor, RGB, and xenon. It's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of that is about brightness um, mm. rather than screen suitability brightness because RGB is going to work better on a certain size screen than phosphor. And xenon will do a really good job on some screens, like high pressure mercury does a great job on some screens. The technology yeah, isn't the driver, is it? It's just, is it the right product for the right no. screen? Yeah, and then you've also got, like, for, for things like lasers, if we're going to briefly speak about that, you've got, is it the right laser for the screen? But how is that also going to impact the, um, the what's the cost impact for the site? Um, and and yep. how is this going to affect our environment? And are we looking to be more uh, green-friendly? In which case, we need to make sure we're choosing the right laser, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> So is so is the need to go brighter, uh, you know, being motivated by people wanting to go with higher dynamic range? I know we spoke about high dynamic range in the past, and I don't want to go over that again in too much detail. But is that what the main motivation is? Which is, you know, we want those highlights, we want those stars in the night sky to really pop, and we can only do that if we go brighter. Can we? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a throw a curveball here and say that I think that HDR or indeed UHD SDR are mainly factors for home entertainment where you don't have the cinematic environment so you need to make up for that in some way um, which is where you might go if you're watching in your living room then you need to add that extra oomph uh, and I think that the the HDR really comes into play there I don't think you necessarily need to go and see it in your cinema because you've already got so many other factors drawing you into the picture Hmm. I think I'd agree with that actually. Um, because the light, you know, HDR isn't some. I mean, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, it, it, do you get better HDR with a brighter picture? Is that a is that a truism? Well, yes. you've got to go very bright, haven't you, to get the contrast yeah. for sure. Right. Okay. Well, if you've got the dynamic range, you want to be able to stretch that dynamic range and utilize that dynamic range so that you've got. You know, you, you're not working within a 14-foot Lamberts to zero. You're working, working within a 30-foot Lamberts to zero so that your brights can be even brighter. Um, so, I, I, Yeah, but the average punter can't tell the difference between 2K and 4K already. So, I mean, HDR is a long way off that, isn't it? Well, yeah. I, yeah, but the, I, I think that the whole 2K versus uh, 4K thing is also a home entertainment issue because unless you have the right equipment, the right screen in your cinema not even the trained eye can really tell the difference between 2K and 4K. At home, yeah, it makes all the difference. And I believe that it's going to be the same for things like HDR, SDR. Contrast is more, is, is a bigger deal than resolution, for sure, for mm. Joe Public. They, they can mm. see the difference with contrast. They can't see 2K, 4K. Right. Okay. Generally. That's a good but point. But they can see yeah, lights and darks, for sure. I would, mm. I would say that would depend on the size of the screen that they're watching it on. True, true, true. No, I agree. Yeah. If you're watching it on a small screen, then I agree with you. But if you're watching it on a big 15 meter plus 
screen, um, then you, those pixels can start to get a bit bigger and you, you can see yeah, more yeah. definition with 4K. But that's the minority then, isn't it? 15 meters plus. Yeah, certainly certainly in the UK. I mean, there's a lot of large screens in, um, in Italy, Germany, Spain um, and America. Um, but, you know, in, in UK um, and a lot of the Scandinavian countries, they're not as large. We get the, uh, quite a few large screens, but on average, they're, they're smaller screens. Um, so, but then, it's, but then 2K, it all becomes very really much good. about the, the size of the screen, the size of the hall, the size of... It's variable, isn't it? There's not one kind of glove that fits everything. It's, it's going to really depend where you are. Yeah, it really is subjective. It's very subjective. Very subjective. Size matters, gentlemen. I'm a lady. Um, I <laughs> and would, ladies. I, I would concur. <laughs> it's how you present oh, it that matters, no. Kevin. Yes, it is. Well, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. very, very, uh, a very good segue into the next, uh, into the next topic, which is showmanship. Ah, uh, showmanship. Is it important? I'm for it. Is it important? What does it actually mean? And how do uh, cinemas improve it? Okay. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to jump straight in here and just give okay. you all the Oxford Dictionary version of uh, showmanship, which is skill at entertaining, theatrical presentation, or performance. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, well, I'm an exhibitor <laughs> who has a direct, you know, um, connection with my audience and a direct connection with uh, showmanship, and I, I'm a big believer in it. Um, but we are unusual in that we still have screen tabs and I will shut the tabs before the feature and all this kind of thing, which is, you know, pretty unusual. So I'm a big believer in showmanship, you know, um, do you, do and I think it makes that, all the difference. Hmm? Do you do that just because you want, because you've always done it and it's more traditional rather than because it's, there's a need to? No, there's no need to do any of it, really, is there? There's no need to have tabs. There's no need to have, I mean, some would argue, masking these days, but I like... Because that's the way I was taught. No, sorry, sh- Kevin. What I mean yeah. is, is yeah. that you or the shutting down before the film and then mm. reopening again. You don't have a, somebody coming down with ice creams or anything like that. No, no, or no, like that. no, no, no. I will just the tab. I mean, sometimes you get kids go, "Why do the curtains open and close again, or close and open again?" Um, but I just, I, I've always felt that the feature is the most important, you know, I, again, that dates me, I suppose I'm calling it the feature, but the, you know, the, 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 the big film, the main film is why we're here and, and there should be a little pause before it starts. I agree then, with you. Yeah, I agree with you yeah. entirely on that. And, and, yeah. you know, I'm obviously not from the traditional age of where that would happen. Um, but for me, like drawing the curtains closed after the ads and trailers means that that has been drawn to a close. And now you're going to have a little breather. You can have a little rummage around, make yourself comfortable, open out those crisps and make sure everything's ready. And then the curtains are going to open and then you're going to be absolutely absorbed for the next two and a half hours or however long the film is. And, and you know, you are ready for it and you know it's going to happen right now. I'm even picky about that the sensor, which is that what we call it these days? The sensor? Yeah. I don't know. The cert, yeah. yeah. Certificate. The cert, yeah, hits the screen as the tabs start to part. You oh, know? I'm, yes. I'm yeah. that particular about it. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. Can yeah. I be controversial and disagree with that? Yeah. I'm, I'm terribly really. controversial. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 love, I yeah. love the idea of that, yeah. but I, I would probably yeah. replace showmanship with customer service. Well, no, which that's is a fair point. actually, fair point. you know, I think of a, a recent experience 
we had at a certain boutique cinema chain. Um, and, you know, the staff, from the moment we came through the door, they were really great. They were friendly. We got charged at least 50% more than we should. But we didn't complain about it. And when we went into the, the I mean, the movie looked okay. and sounded very, very good. It was great. But the whole thing was about the experience. And maybe that is part of modern showmanship, customer service. It's it's not just about in-screen. It's the whole thing from through the door to the screen. Yeah. And, um, so, I would disagree with that. But they do, uh, did they do something similar? Did they do something along the lines of, do they fade the music down? Do they fade the lights down? Do they bring the lights back up at the end in a fade rather than just like a switch? Yeah, there was a degree of that for sure. But also there was, there was a human being who stood at the front and talked a little bit before the film started about the evening or the film or whatever it was. There was, there was interaction with the staff with the people who were there and that was um that felt very good and that was a that was a corporate business that wasn't an in, one independent cinema this is a circuit um it can be so done. I, I i'm not going to be as coy as adam mcdonald here and i'm going to say well imax have been doing that for years imax have been doing that for absolute years and and anyone that has an imax um theater installed in their complex or in their multiplex um, should have been doing that anyway. But there are also the small boutique places that are doing the same thing. So I also recently went to my small boutique cinema and they did exactly the same thing. And it was wonderful upon walking in the door. I got my wine. They delivered our uh, ice cream sundaes to our chair before the film started, which was nice. Um, but before the film started also, they did, you know, they brought the lights back up. Chap came on screen, told us what we needed to do, if they, if we need the loo or if there was an emergency. Um and told us a few little uh, jokes and whatnot, which were related to the the film, and it was just wonderful. And so that that is a level of showmanship which I think um, you know goes one step further than perhaps just uh, tabs and masking. Yeah, yeah, sure. So that comes under the auspices of showmanship, you think? Yeah. I think yeah, so. I think, it, I any, think anything so. that enhances the experience, um, or, or you know, makes you, you know, it is it's a performance, isn't it? It's a performance but then we've all, you know, we're lucky that we've all been to multimedia's, to premieres, to festivals, and you get that experience there where it's very personal. People talk about the film, or it feels very involved, and that's quite special. And to do that on a day-to-day basis, which some cinemas do is really about, you know, it's customer service and showmanship, isn't it? And that and it's very hard to do that if you've got five or six hundred screens. Um well, but it's possible. It, yeah, it, yeah it but is, is it? it is, uh well, I don't know. Is it, it might you might be the right person to ask for this, but I think that it does add like so much more. Like I would be much more inclined to go to somewhere where someone comes out the front and you know, tells me where I need to bloody go for the loo because, because <laughs> I, you know, it's not even important. I already know where the toilets are, but, you know, you're interacting with me on a human level and it's just not like going through a bloody cattle thingy-majiggy, you know what I mean. No, no, you know, I know. But I, do, don't do, feel do, like, I don't feel like just a punter. I feel like I'm actually invited. I feel like I've been invited into someone's very, very special living room. Does this happen every performance every day? I mean, like yeah. the ten o'clock in the morning performance and the twelve yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Well, it, it did when when I worked in a when in a theatre with IMAX. That's what we did every single show. I have to say, one of my show. 
one of my most embarrassing uh, experiences ever was a cinema, a local cinema that's subsequently been demolished. Uh, it was a ca- uh, classic at the time, which again, another one for the young people there. And uh, in those days, you, you had an intermission for ice creams. You had to have an intermission for ice creams. And I went to this two o'clock, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon show and I was the only one in there. It was just me. And then after the ads, <laughs> the lights came up and the curtains closed and this poor woman came down with an ice cream tray. <laughs> And it was just me and her for a full five minutes. I feel like looking in that at one situation, another. surely they'd looked at the booking screen and, and yeah. said, all right, there's just one guy in here or there's yeah. one ticket sold. Let's just, go in, let's just go in, have a chat with yeah. him beforehand and see if he yeah. wants an ice cream in the interval. And if yeah. he says no, we'll just roll it. I mean, it was about, I mean, I was about 16 at the time. It felt like the most awkward experience of my entire life. Me Jeez. and this woman with an ice cream tray trying not to look at each other for five <laughs> endless minutes <laughs> I had a very similar experience watching Roadhouse I think it was in 1988 it was at my local Odeon which has been shut down now, uh, well shut down it's been knocked down, it's a Yates's Wine Lodge now uh-huh. um, uh, well it was a Yates's Wine, it's a Weatherspoons now, but anyway Boo. I, um, Ooh, I, I, I was I was in there on my own I'd finished work at five. I'd gone in there, watch it. First opening night, I was the only one in there. And the projectionist, who was this big, burly fella, comes walking up all the stairs, because I always used to sit right at the back. Um, and he said, right, you've got an option. Do you want to watch the adverts or not? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell DCM. You're going to let him go home early. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't care as long as I watch the trailers. And he went, yeah, well, they're all hooked up together, so you're going to have to watch the adverts then. <laughs> Oh, how funny! <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. So I, I made him, I made him play them, play the whole. I mean, he, he probably could have separated the adverts and the trailers in less time than it would have taken to play the whole thing. Yeah, probably not. He's probably on a spool to spool back that back then, uh, or, uh, or or maybe it was all connected. Um, the ad, he probably had the adverts and trailers and the pre-show and one spool all together, and then swapped over to the other projector for the film. Um, yeah, just wind it forward and lace on the last ad. <laughs> yeah. So I think to your point there, Mike, how much of that showmanship is human versus automation? Because you know you can That's automate a, a lot of stuff that is tabs, curtains, lights, blah blah yeah, blah. That, but you that, can't that automate a human being about, yeah. who comes in and mm. gives you a spiel on the film if there's yeah, 50 it's, plus it's people in it's, there. It's, 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 it's a really good point because there's a lot of automation you can do that can still add uh, an element of presentation to your to your show rather than just the adverts, not the adverts, the ad, um, the the lights just going off, the music just going off, um, you know, the the non sync music just going off. You, you 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 ease people in and you ease people out. That's what I will say. And you know, I got a I got a tweet actually uh, from one of our distributor friends. Uh, to say congratulations to Mike Bradbury for doing the best and the presentation at such a cinema was absolutely fantastic. And this isn't a plug, because I think it, I didn't have anything to do with that. Um, you know, it was really great, the tweet, and I loved it, and I sent it round to the people who deserved it. But um, it was it was like, well, it's all automated. It's absolutely all automated. It, it I remember, and I remember yeah. having a, a, a row with someone in a pub, believe it or not, uh, that... 
you know, he said, oh, the guy was, was focusing it in and you could see that he was, um, he was really out of focus. And then the guy upstairs focused it in and said, no, there wasn't a guy up there. And he said, no. <laughs> and he said, no, there, there really, really was a guy. No. I saw it. I saw it go no. in focus. And I said, no, it was done automatically. It's all, all it's, it's not autofocus as such, but it's kind of. And he was, he was swearing. And in the end, I had to take him into the cinema and show him how it worked. Mm. Um, because he was convinced there was a guy up there presenting the show, which is great. I got, um, I got uh, utterly kind or of... A gal, uh, or a gal. A gal. Or a gal, obviously. Or a gal. Sorry. <laughs> I, got, I got utterly deflated. We were showing a few months ago, probably about a year ago now, we showed Lawrence of Arabia, and I went to enormous trouble to set all the cues up so that the play-ins were played with the curtains closed and the lights down and all that kind of stuff. And people were coming out complaining, well, the, the, the film started and the curtains haven't opened. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, really, no, it's the play-in, it's the overture. That's how we used to do it in the olden days. Oh, what's, the, what's the point? Hey, maybe this, means, maybe this means we need a, re- a revolution. Maybe it means mm. that our presentation standards need to move on and that what we yeah. hold what we hold dear is not yeah, so dear. Yeah, you may be right. No, I think that's a reasonable I think that's a reasonable point. And I and, hate it. I hate that idea, yeah. but I think it might yeah. be um or, or it's yeah. either that or we need to uh, re-educate folk. Yeah, but the public the, the 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 customer service point is a very very good one and that's ultimately what people remember when they go away. Not whether you shut the tabs at the beginning of the feature or not to be honest. <laughs> okay, next subject. Uh, we are going to go on to should cinemas have special screenings where they don't use phones or should they have special screenings where they can use phones? They should have no such screenings. Phones should not be (laughs) present. If you cannot, well, you may as well wait until it comes out on home entertainment if you cannot sit on your bum for two and a half hours without concentration purely on the film and not on your telephone don't ruin other people's experiences due to well, your own I selfishness agree. i agree i'd go along with that yeah i agree but that's why I was, that's why we were we were saying not necessarily me uh, we come up with these questions together <laughs> um <laughs> but um what that's why i was saying should there be special screenings where you are allowed to do that and obviously if if you get in and and you saw you know this performance is a tweet along or it's a 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 phone a mobile phone friendly showing you know you tony as a person who would detest that uh, would clearly avoid that show but why, someone why else can't... might not why can't people just tweet or do whatever they need to do afterwards? I mean, yeah. is it is okay. it so different? Unless you're doing like overnighter and you're watching five films that are all themed together, then yeah, maybe go on your movie because no one's really taking that all that serious. People are napping, let's be honest. So yeah. I think unless there's a technological purpose for a phone to be in a cinema, then no. And and I am of the age of the Instagrams and the Twitters and the Facebooks. and Millennial, I, I think it's called. And I, am I? I don't know. I, don't know. I might be just on the cusp. I'm not sure. Um, but 
I just don't see a place for it unless you really need it for like subtitles or you need it for this that, and the other. You are supposed to like the filmmaker wants you to be in that cinema to focus on their film. Let's be honest. It's all about them and their beautiful creativity and what they have produced. They do not want you half eyeing your phone all the way through it. And what happens if then you get a phone call because your phone's on? And do you leave the cinema? Do you take the call whilst everyone around you is looking at you in a glaring manner? Do do you leave the cinema and therefore miss 10 minutes of the plot? It's like, just turn your phone off, enjoy it for two hours, worry about everything else afterwards. Yeah, Sorry, I'm with you on this. Over, we shouldn't be encouraging over. it one way or the other, should we? You know, we don't have... Uh, this screening is for farting. You can fart as much as you like in this screening. I, I would that, definitely yeah. love it if that happened, and I would love to see how many people went to those screenings. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. My lad my lad would be made up. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm again. I mean, yeah, no. Don't have your phone on in the cinema. Full stop. Do you think it would increase audiences? Do you think? But surely, Kevin, as a cinema come? owner, if you could increase your footfall with people with it on, you would, wouldn't you? No, no. 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 You don't want more money. No. Not even a one special show a week. No, no. I don't think. I don't think. I, I think it sends the wrong signal. I really do. Maybe I'm an old dinosaur and I'll die off. No, but Me the whole point there is surely too. segmentation. If you had seven screens, wouldn't mm-hmm. you take one for X, one for Y, one for Z, one for whatever with, with different things? If you could, and increase footfall more people. That's what subtitle screening's for. Well, or or any segmentation screening. One subtitle, one, and non, one non-subtitled. You, like, that is to help the community. What is having phones in a theatre, other than for being for access... How is that going to benefit? Yeah. What's the benefit? I mean, actually, you use the word theatre, Tony, which is absolutely right. Can you imagine that happening at the old Vic? This is a phone screening. You're allowed to use your phone during this performance of As You Like It. It's just ridiculous. But if there were seven scre- seven theatres playing the same thing, that might be different. In a plex, mm. you can Who do would it. play seven theatres of the same thing? Cinemas. Mm. Well, some of Star them Wars. Oh, yeah, cinemas do. <laughs> I, I I'm against it full stop, but that doesn't mean I'm right. I just don't think that it's the place for phones. I mean, we have a policy of no babies and, you know, no children under two, which causes a few problems. But, you know, I just don't think, oh, well, I'll take him out if he cries. Well, he's already disturbed the screening, isn't he, at that point? But if you can so, have a screening uh, you know, for people with screaming yeah, babies, we do. No, that, why can't you have a screening for people with phones do do on no, or phones true. off? No, so, uh, because I think it's different. I think that's different. I do. So, so that no, I, I think you're absolutely right in that you should have a screening for people with newborns. Um, I, I'm not allowed. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name or whatnot. But when I worked for Odeon, so stop it. If I'm not allowed to say the name, I am now. Um, we had <laughs> we had three special screenings. We had mm. we had the newbie screenings. I believe it was on like a Monday or Tuesday morning. We had the senior screenings, which again, Monday or Tuesday. Um, and we had the director's chair. And the director's chair was for like really cool indie stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see uh, in the suburbs of Leicester, which is where I was. Um, but the newbie screening was specifically there. Oh, we also had um, like autistic friendly screenings where the lights would be higher and we'd have um, colorful shapes and whatever anyone needed to feel more comfortable in a situation and also watch a film. And we'd you know, have the audio lower and it was, it was just fantastic. But these were all screenings that were um, of a time where, at a time where, where these particular people could 
could go without sort of interrupting either their life schedule or indeed the the peak time of the cinema and I think that's all well and good because you're then accommodating for people that really do need it Um, and the people that you know they need the cinema to you know they want to take their kid to this screening because they need to go to the cinema because they have had no life for the last six weeks because all they've been doing is tending to their child um and, and again, it, it comes back to the idea of really needing it. Whereas, do you really need to go to the cinema to be on your phone? Where is the need? Nope, I agree. You know, okay. I mean, if, if it, would they be full? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it'd just be a gimmick in the end. Like dog screenings. Screenings with dogs in the room. What's the point of that? For God's sake. Or goats. Goat screenings. <laughs> or I'm going I'm, I'm to say I, I'm all for screenings for dogs, man. I just I need, a, I need a dog no. to take, though. I don't really? have a dog. Well, it's because uh, I love dogs more than anything in the world because they're the only things that love me back. But, oh, man. <laughs> but I've never had, <laughs> I mean, I, I, anecdotally, I've never <laughs> generally sat in the cinema and had a problem with people using phones. With dogs. Or oh, dogs. Right, or yeah. goats. Really? Yeah, <laughs> no. Seriously? Are you no. serious? Yeah, very rarely. Very rarely, yeah, I am very that rarely. arsehole that sits, I sit three quarters of the way back and if I see someone on a phone in front of me or indeed behind me or if I'm here, tap, 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 I go and tell them in front of everyone and if they don't sort it out, I get them bloody kicked out because I am that. But then if they person. were in screen three where that was acceptable, that'd be fine, wouldn't it? But it's not acceptable. Like There would be like two people in that screening. But that's what we need to determine, isn't it? Would it be two? Would it be 10? Would it be 20? I don't but know. All do, oh right, market research, market research, guys. But it needs to be about market <laughs> research, we, not about our is opinions. There not, is, there, is there not a... Sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, is there not a market for... I mean, I go to the cinema all the time, completely contrary to what Adam's saying. I always see people uh, using their phone, and I do... If they're close by, anyway, I don't march down the steps. But... Um, if they're close by, I'll say, you know, I'll politely ask them, would you mind putting the phone away? Only it's quite distracting. And most of the time, they're usually like, oh, yeah, sorry, mate, I didn't realise. Um, but, you know, if if there are, I, I occasionally come across the odd patron who says, uh, oh, God, you know, as, as though, God, we've got a right granddad in here who doesn't know how to use a phone. Um and, you know, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of people like that that go to the cinema and they're not necessarily that invested in the, in the screen and in the, in the film. Um, why are they going? Well, I know they're, they're going because they're going with their mates, you know, and there may be four or five and maybe the girls that they like are going and they found out that they're going. So they're like, oh, we'll go to the cinema and we'll try. And, and I'm thinking, well, what films are you watching, a- Mike? Well, any, you know, lots of believe it or not, that happens a lot in a lot of these fifteen-rated horror films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's like, well, if if there's a lot of people in the audience that are wanting to use their phones, they're wanting to text each other during the show. Um, do you not? Do you, do you have to suffer with them, or should you not create a special showing where they can go and do that kind of thing and and leave the leave the the normal auditoriums for the people who want to watch the film? If you could absolutely guarantee that everybody wanted to use their phone would go to that screening, I might be for it, but you can't. But that you know this this sort of harks Twitter. back a little bit to the showmanship, doesn't it? You know, if you go to a multimedia or a premiere or a special screening. 
everybody's so well behaved. It's just a perfect experience to people who are who want to be there. But that's not a regular cinema experience, is it? That's like the perfect cinema experience for us. For us. Anyway, but maybe not for everybody else. I I feel like if um if if you give in to those that want to be distracted during a film, then you're giving in to evil. Um, because they're, <laughs> they're not going there for the right reason. No, they're going I, there, I, they're going there to get felt up by their new girlfriends or boyfriends. At the but are they not the going there already to do that? Well, they might be, but we're still giving up. We, you know, if we, if we didn't march down... I say we, I mean I. If we didn't march down (laughs) and say, turn off your effing phone, you douchebag, you're ruining my experience, (laughs) I've just paid 15 quid for this, Um, then, you know, and you allow them to do that, then you're letting them win. You're letting them win. But, you know, when we were kids, you know, when we were teenagers, we went to the cinema and we threw sweets at each other and we spat sweets at each other and we messed the cinema up. But but, but we were cinema. That was you, was it? We were cinema goers and we were above the average. And we gave patronage to your businesses. (laughs) And that's what it was. We weren't When I was a kid going to the cinema, I I might have snuck into the older you know, the old horror film where I should not have been there. I definitely saw Titanic and I was not old enough. Naughty. Um, you know, oh but God. I went to the... But I was incredibly well-behaved and I've always been well-behaved and I think that maybe that leads us on to a situation of parenting and no, how people we were should really badly behaved in the cinema and we, we oh, were terribly no, behaved no. in the cinema. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but we were lucky to get in because you had to Did... queue up and if you didn't get in, you missed out for another week. It was two screens. Do you mean, you know. That's how I felt for the nightclub when I got to We 14. weren't in the Plex era then. <laughs> they used to make you wait outside before the doors opened. The cannon, the cannon in Huddersfield. I, do, I, I also remember that, by the way. You'll be happy yeah. to know that I also remember that. Uh, the Odeon yeah. in Coventry. It was a beautiful, beautiful cinema. I believe it was only four or six screens. can't remember quite. But it was absolutely stunning. They turned it into a bloody university building for design and technology, and it really upset me. But I used to Bastards. go for the pounds the pound screenings on the Sunday afternoon uh, mm. when Coventry was good and now uh, all they're doing is barbecuing during the lockdown oh yeah the lockdown I've forgotten about that for a minute sorry do you, do you find yourself doing that you're watching a nice film and then you suddenly remember oh my god the zombie apocalypse <laughs> I watch a nice film and forget about it and go and go oh do you remember when we could go out oh, <laughs> when it wasn't two to one ratio <laughs> okay well we've, we've kind of exhausted um the whole mobile phone things i think we're all of the consensus that we should be able to use our mobile phones in the cinema what we <laughs> <want to. laughs> on the no, screen where not. people don't care <laughs> uh, joking joking obviously i mean uh, i've just realized i'm going to listen to this back and think oh my god i sound like a real advocate for phones in yeah, the cinema I and i i'm really not it's just that i'm asking the question to see but if we i think about when i you know when i was 16 if i had a mobile phone then they would have been prevalent in the cinema we would have just had them so, says wouldn't. a lot about you though mate but we says would but you. we would hey, back then it's like we would have done that you know in the cinema I think I think it depends. I mean, my my kids. I mean, granted, I've you know roasted them. I haven't really. I'm a very good father. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I've 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 told them from a very young age, obviously, that they're supposed to respect the cinema and supposed to be quiet and you know laugh when it's funny mm. and 
Mm. You know, don't talk and don't use your phone. And they're very, very good. And they are, hate it when other people use their phones to the point where they get anxiety when they mm. see That's other people using phones. That's how I feel. Yeah, I'm like one too. of your children, Mike. Uh, but yeah. my kids have obviously been <laughs> brought up by me, who's mm. a cinema guy. Uh, not mm. everybody is. Uh, and, you know, I'm not quite so sure whether everybody feels that way. You need bums on they seats, my friend. Bums on seats is what it is all about. That's it. Yeah. Simple. If there's a market for it, then I think special screenings are fine. I don't have to go to those special screenings. Okay, so that brings us into the new one of Ford, uh, 4DX type cinema. Um, you know, we're on screen X type cinema or any any of that kind of sense, smells, uh, and all of the... Um, Malarkey. The, the malarkey, yeah. The, the stuff. <laughs> Feel that, around. The stuff that Feel around. dreams are made of. <laughs> have you um, seen Kentucky Fried Movie? Feel I around. have. I have. That's brilliant. Yes. And Amazon <laughs> Women on the Moon. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah I have it on blue. Oh. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh-huh. cinemas with screens on the walls and the ceiling. Uh, what do you think about them? No! <laughs> I think if it works, it works. I couldn't have been, couldn't have put that better myself. Well, I mean, so Tony might know this better than better than, better than us. Um, are filmmakers embracing it as a format? I believe so, they are. They are for I, sure. I, I think at the well, I think they are, but I think it's an afterthought. I don't think it's um, something that is. You know, as they're writing their script or they've read a script and then they're like, oh, you know what? This would be great for the Screen X. Um, I I don't think it's that early. And I think that's how early it needs to be in order for it to be successful. Um, And, you know, I I, I do think it could work if it was thought of that early, Um, maybe. But I I, I feel like it's all just a little bit, um, a little bit late in the, in in the production line um so it all just looks a bit shonky if that's a, a word gimmicky surely and are we not back in the realms of a shit film's a shit film don't matter whether it's in 2d 3d feel around although 1917 did very well didn't it in 4dx did it um i, I don't did. know because yeah, i yeah, i refuse to look sure. at the numbers yeah 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 um, i think the box office is pretty good is I it? mean, disturbingly well, so, yeah. Good yeah, for yeah. them. Good for them. I mean, to be honest, you, you could you could dismiss it as you know, oh well, you know, it's just some uh, entertaining rubbish um, blockbuster film that no one really gives a monkey's about. But the, looking at the titles that they that they're using, there's quite a lot of you know artistic filmmakers or certainly renowned filmmakers that are making. Throw them to us. What what what's, what have we got coming up? Uh, coming up, uh, we've got. Uh, I don't know. Nothing. Uh, oh, Mulan. We've got Mulan. Uh, Mulan's coming up. We've had. I mean, we've had Aquaman, Gemini Man, Spider Man: Far From Home, Godzilla, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Alita, Captain Marvel. No, no, Shazam. no. Hold on. I'm. I meant. Um. I meant for four DX four screen. Four screen. Four screen. Huh? What? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the 4DX thing is uh, yeah. has largely been an afterthought, I think. But... Oh, that's when you move the seats around and 
Yeah, but but for the extra, they've introduced the a new four-screen yeah. cinema with the walls and the ceiling. So what have yeah, we got yeah. coming up? Like that, I, I guess it was only launched um, in well this year, wasn't it? Um, at the CES convention. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure if there's anything on the pipeline. But if there is, yes. do you know about it? Like what's what's coming up for it? I think I, I may have misunderstood the question. 4DX is the one where the seats move, isn't it? Yeah, but ScreenX yeah. is the Same one company. with the extra screens on the side. Oh, ScreenX okay. is three screens. Right, I've drunk a bottle of wine. That's my excuse. So 4DX <laughs> is moving the seats about. Yeah, uh, so, so we've got... just we've makes got, me feel sick, basically. 4DX, we've got ScreenX, and this is like the combination of them both, where you'll have moving seats, but oh then you have God. the side screens, the main screen, but they've also now thrown in the ceiling, so there'll be projection on the ceiling as well. What? Okay, does it make a better film, though? No. Well, I think if it's made for purpose, then maybe. But what is going to be made for purpose? That's my question. What's coming up that's actually been made for 4DX full screen? I don't think it's going to make it a better film. Is it going to make it a, a more interesting experience? It will make it a more interesting experience as much as me going to the theme park and riding on the saw experience is... I'm going for a different thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. If, if I'm going to go for 4DX full screen, I'm going for a gimmicky experience, in my opinion. Uh, some people With might my say mobile so. phone switched on, most likely. Yay! And I can't wait until you get absolutely jumped all over the shop by those chairs and your mobile phone goes flying into the air, crashes onto the ground and then cracks completely. And then we have come to the conclusion where you should not have your mobile phone in the cinema. But aside from that... I really believe that the whole 4DX full screen thing, unless it's really been, unless the film has been made for that format, it's not going to work. And and, and and certainly if they want to retrofit things, it means filming after filming a sh- shot. So it's going to be incredibly expensive. Are we not into the realms of what happened with 3D here then? Because, you know, 3D was going to be the thing. And, no, it's, you know, it's, you've got to it's worse. It. It's worse because you can retrofit 3D a lot easier than you can sure. for things like Screen X and for, for 4DX full screen. Because you can basically take it to a decent 3D uh, retrofit house and they can do sure. their bloody best with it. Um, but you can't. But ultimately, necessarily... no one gave a toss, did they? And 3D has died. So. Uh, well, I don't think 3D has died. Sadly, no. okay. I think it, I think not in the should. UK. Uh, um, in the UK, it has. Maybe not in the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. In the rest of the world, it's still, it's still, it's still got its place. Uh, certainly for animation and whatnot. Um, but no, I think it's it's much more complicated to create additional frames, which haven't been previously created so with a 3d film you use material that's already been shot in order to create this 3d film whereas with if you're adding three new screens you need to add surround detail you need to add a new sky you need to you know unless you're just going to warp the original shot and if you are going to do that that's probably going to look pretty shonky too yeah like your granny's tv when they used to stretch the picture out for 16 by 9 with 4 by 3. It'll look like that. Aspect ratios again. (laughs) I don't know. It doesn't appeal to me, but I'm not not its target audience. So, yeah. (laughs) Does it appeal to you, Adam? Uh, Uh, Not personally at all. But I think, again, it's down to 
what does the market take? You know, can, is there a market for it? Can you sell it? Yeah. And 4DX does really, really well commercially around the globe, for sure. They do very, very well. The business is strong. There's a demand for it. Um, and it works. I mean, as for another screen, not sure. You know what? I mean, whatever that's called. 4DX is obviously one screen. Yeah. 4DX is a single screen with motion seats. When you're talking about three screens, four screens, five screens, I think that's really tricky. I think that's very difficult to sustain. But 4DX as a motion seat experience is is very very strong. Not it's not my it's not what I would want to watch, but it but it's very very commercially very strong. I suppose it's kind of a bit like. Um... You know, this various other types of cinema, like on the beach screenings and things like this, which I'm not interested in, but people do seem to like them for a different kind of experience. So maybe we shouldn't poo poo it. I don't know. I wouldn't poo poo it. I think, you know, there's a. Mm. I wouldn't choose to see a film in that format. But, you know, again, my kids might really love to watch a film in 4DX because it's like a theme park attraction. And if that brings bums on seats and sells popcorn, then that's good for cinema. And that's. Yeah. I'm all about poo-pooing this. <laughs> um, if you want to have a theme park experience, you should go to a theme park. Mm. Mm. Well, we don't know all a theme park in our town, though. No, we don't. You what? do? Come on. You what? do? You've, ne- you've never been to Uckfield Land? <laughs> <laughs> of course I have. Um, okay, so so 4DX, just to interject there, see what I did? Um, yeah. 4DX do we and and Screen X uh, with the four screens now. Sorry, the, yeah, the four screens now with the one above. Um, we, we, you know, it's for some people, I suppose. It's fine. It's going to make some money, and that's great. So, as far as I'm concerned, anything that makes money is in. We don't have to watch it. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so next next subject: ticketless cinema. And what I mean by this is uh, paperless ticketless mm-hmm. cinema, not yep. not. We allow people in for free, which we did need to clarify earlier. Um, so, <laughs> is it um, is it a good thing? Do we want ticketless cinema? Yes. Only I know. Yes. I, you want ticketless yes. cinema? Only I know some people who collect their tickets, and they would be very disappointed if they couldn't get it. Can you help me, Mike? As someone who is with a major UK circuit, my local cinema is a major UK circuit, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> but it's not an Odeon. Or a Cineworld, yeah. it's somebody else. But I, but I, but I. So I get oh, an online that, ticket, that, that and I get an down. online little, yeah. you know, little app, and it's got my barcode. But when I get there, I still have to print the ticket out because if I buy yeah. a drink of Pointless. alcohol, they've got to mark it off on the ticket. And it's as simple as that. They can't allow me a hey. paperless ticket because you've got to write on your ticket with a bit of paper if you've got a drink. Well, really? You can't an go totally. Drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, alcoholic. Just don't drink alcoholic drinks. You'll be fine. Well, but many people <laughs> want alcoholic drinks at the cinema and they yeah, but, therefore can't be yeah, friendly. Well, just, well, yeah, maybe you just shouldn't drink an alcoholic yeah, drink. Yeah, but we're, we're also talking about Adam here. Yeah, a so. teddy boy that used to rip cinemas up in his youth. <laughs> Without alcohol back in the days, I'll, I'll have you know, yeah. yeah. No, uh, okay, as an exhibitor here, I would say yes, because it's better for the environment not to be printing out tickets. Um, and actually, the idea that uh, you need a ticket is pretty much um, last century now. As long as you've got it on your phone or other device, we can see where you want to sit. 
um and also uh you know i can i can send people their ticket on their phone why do they, why do we need to print one out we don't need to print but why one do they you know i go i'm I don't know. I don't know. Um, without uh, knowing the particular uh, famous chain. <coughs> <talking about. coughs> <laughs> well, this is all um, the aforementioned ticket program from which I am extricating myself. Uh, and it may have something to do with that. I don't know. Because, you know, oh, how can I explain? So, uh, no, you don't need you don't need a paper ticket. And, and anyone that says you do is wrong because you can see it uh, on your um, on your phone. And that is more than enough to send you to the right seat. Why do you need a paper ticket? You don't at all. That's my apath. There you go. Does Wasn't the most interesting. Does that mm-hmm. technically mean that you need to have your phone on in the auditorium to see where you're sitting? <laughs> <laughs> Only before the show starts, because Good you point. should be there before the program starts. Yes. Uh, and if you're uh, not, you're a douchebag. Or you might be just genuinely late because of some unforeseen circumstance. The only thing is, if you've got a big multiplex or something, maybe you need to keep a better check on people. But there doesn't seem to be that much of a check in a lot of multiplexes anyway. You can once you're past the barrier, you can do what the bloody hell you like. Hmm. Does it? I mean, the you know, if you've got a ticket barrier area, you know, when you're going past that ticket barrier area, then you'd hope that you wouldn't have to come back into the foyer for whatever reason. So does does this mean that you need to design your future auditorium, sorry, your future cinemas so that your toilets are around the auditorium area so that when you've had your ticket checked that you don't you have no need to come back out? Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Um, and I think in most situations you could have it designed that way. I'm I'm thinking of the most cinemas, uh, most cinemas that I go to. Um, but to be honest, I still think there'd be staff checking your ticket at the gate, as it how were. How much fraud Unless... is there, though? I mean, well, really, how much fraud is there with cinema tickets? For God's sake! Oh, there's a lot. Is there? Yeah. Is there? Okay. Oh All goodness, right. yeah. that's awful. It's not so much fraud. It's it's not so much fraud. Uh, it, as in, it depends on the layout of the cinema. Because uh, if you can freely roam around your cinema, uh, I think there are people that just kind of try and walk in. Yeah. Um, well, that's, you know. that's no different how it used to be, to be honest. Like, you'd finish mm. one film and then just walk into another. I'm not, not saying I'm you shouldn't check the ticket. You shouldn't check that they have a ticket. Yeah. But you don't need to print one out. That's the point. Most no, people have a No, I agree. Device. So so if you yeah. look at the music industry, I think that they're one step ahead of us. Um, mm. So in the music industry, wherever you go now, it's largely, unless you buy through a third party, if you buy direct from most places, they'll give you a QR code, which then yeah. scan at the gate. Um, but then also for the theatres, they do the same sort of thing. And then there's um, a booking system, which I'm I'm sure we could also have in the cinema world. Um, so yes. for, for me, I've recently used a booking system called Dice, and it allows you to buy your tickets via your phone, and then you have the QR code. But it also uh, means that you can order like your interval drinks and snacks straight to your seat. Um, oh, that's all coming to the picture house up for so our new ticket system in 2025. So, so, so then, <laughs> yeah. so then, so, so then, like I've basically done nothing. I've not had to interact with a single human being, which does actually make me quite sad. I don't enjoy that bit. Um, but it, but it means that you've you've managed to get your ticket. You've managed to order everything that you could possibly want in the world to your seat. Um, I mean, it might mean that you need to have more front of house staff. 
perhaps, uh, but you need less on box office if you're doing a ticketless system. Um, yeah, I don't, so maybe it all works out that way. I, I mean, maybe it is the way forward. And it is quite nice not to have paper in your pocket. But having said that, as someone that per- went to a gig every bloody week during my youth, if not twice a week, and I collected the stubs, I collected the stubs, it is sad not to have a paper. But would people collect cinema ticket stubs for regular yeah, movies? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, no, still, I've, I've got yeah, all of mine. I've got all of them. But, that, but that is the up. minority for sure, yeah? Yeah. It's the minority. We it's... we showed um, Alien uh, recently, and they had a QR code on the ticket, and they were most put out. And they said, "Well, can I have a ticket?" And so we had to print them out a ticket that said Alien Sunday at seven thirty on it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone away happy because they does needed the, the ticket. Does the does the um does does the uh, QR code and around the QR code actually say Alien? You know, no. Picture House. No. It doesn't. No. It just has a QR no. code. It doesn't tell you what it's for. Or anything much. Like that. Well, it does, but they want the actual ticket. Yeah, but why the can't they just screenshot it and then print it I out? Don't and then I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it does have the show or the show time. No, I'm know. sure it's just a QR code. Yeah, there was a QR. I don't know. But the new system we're we're installing, also uh, we're we've we so it sends you your ticket and all the information about the cinema an hour before you go, and it gives you the opportunity to order any drinks that you might need before you arrive. This is the kind of – this is this is the way it should be. You know, the ticket itself is is is, is a side issue. My yeah. only concern with that mm-hmm. is that I don't mm-hmm. really know what I want until I literally get well, to the fine. counter. Well, that's fine. Then you queue with the other unwashed people. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, that's it. And what well, so <laughs> – with with theatre, so the first experience I had was I went to see Amelie at the Oxford Theatre. Um, terrible show, in my opinion. In my opinion. Um, it was terrible, 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 uh, in my opinion. Um, Have you still got the, anyway. the ticket stub? Oh, no, I, I yeah. did not. I did not keep that one, funnily enough. I did not keep that one. It's my favourite film. I have the music of the film tattooed down my back. So, therefore, wow. I think wow. I am a good judge of whether it's good or not. Um, yes, it's a good soundtrack. In matters of Emily, we will defer to you, Tony. Yes, please do. You should. Right. You yeah. should. You should. Um, I'll so, read her back. So, so Dice... <laughs> Were also dice were also the people that were were handling all of this malarkey. Um, I didn't buy the tickets; my sister did. But I did do the halftime. I want some popcorn situation, and um, and it was amazing. It was amazing. Like I was immediately like the lights went down. I was like, all right, I want three glasses of wine. Not for myself, guys. Not for myself. I was sharing. Um, I want three popcorns again, not for myself. And I want two packets of Haribo. They were for myself. And they what? came within five minutes. Within five what, minutes. During the show? To go outside. Yeah, well, no, during the interval. Oh, right. Okay. So you could have pre booked your interval shiz, or you could, like, in the interval, tell them exactly what you wanted and where you were sitting, and they would bring it to you. I think you're right, Tony. This is it's amazing. This is it's what amazing. you should be doing. Yeah, and, and and with that, with people actually bringing it to your seat, as opposed to interval drinks where you had to go up to a, you know, trust trust the, trust the other human beings, trust the other human beings. Um, it, you know, you still got a little bit of humor, uh, human interaction, which I think is really important. So may maybe that's the way. I I, the way I agree. I think the ticket is almost the least of it, isn't it? Really. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. 
Uh, at the risk of sounding crazy boring, I'm indifferent. I don't really care. No. Ticketless or not. I, to be honest, I go ticketless when I'm flying everywhere. I'm always got it on my mobile yeah. app, and that works I'd very well. But to be yeah. honest, that works because I go past a certain point, and I know I'm not coming back. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think if you have to come back, then it might be a little bit messy, but I'm sure there's a way around it. But yeah, ticketless cinema, let's save the planet, let's save some trees. As they Absolutely. Say. Um, you know, it's like your receipts, isn't it, in shops now? You know, they say, do you want a receipt or not? Yeah. It's only really, the, to be honest, it's really only the old ladies that want a receipt. Nobody wants a receipt. I don't want a bloody receipt anymore, do you? Or the people claiming it back. Yeah. Yeah, all the people claiming that. Yeah, fair enough. I asked for a receipt because I'm so scared of the little sensory things going off on me and me not having any really? proof that I've actually bought it. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That's happened recently. That's, yeah, that's that's really just uh, that's just PTSD. That's funny. Yeah, that's that just, is. That's yeah, that's what that is. No, it is. PTSD. It is. It is. I'm 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 <laughs> killing the planet. But the point the is, you should be able to. And the point, the whole thing is, you know, if I go to my local multiplex without a ticket. I shouldn't have to print it out just to get a drink or whatever. It should, no, it should no, be ticketless, right? That is no, bizarre. you're absolutely right. That's crazy. Like, right. Why should I have to print this out? Just It's ridiculous. Why can't you just scan your QR code again? Surely it's got on your QR code that you um, what age you are. Or oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, <laughs> but literally, Surely they, they can just, just look at you, Adam, and know that you're over 18. They, uh, I'm yeah. so youthful looking, clearly, <laughs> with my two children who are... Ten well, that was going to be my next point. Yeah, um, especially especially with that crazy beard you're sprouting. Uh, absolutely, my uh, Sasquatch, Sasquatch 2020 <laughs> look. Um, you're not wrong. But it's, <laughs> but it's, uh, but but you know you should have the option, and if you don't want a ticket, you shouldn't have to get a ticket printed out. That's no, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree. We never got any ink anyway. No. Let's not go. I mean, I could. You yeah, know, I'm not. I'm not going to go down the. No, we only get cut out by our elves. Yeah, uh, the ticket system that doesn't work. No, no, let's not go there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, some fun now. Just a little bit of quick, fun. Some fun. Some fun. Okay, yeah. I just want to know uh, what is your favorite crusty sequel? Can I go first? Which one? Yeah. Right. Go on, do, do you know what I mean by crusty sequel? Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone first? Uh, it's defined as a sequel that features a star of the original, but who are much older. Yep. Okay, I have go on. nailed that. I have gone for Tron Legacy. What? Ah, yes. Excellent. So, oh, man, the original, that's... like the original, came out before I was born, but I was kind of like introduced to it at an early age, and. It just—it it really didn't disappoint. I bloody loved it. And then really? when I got old enough to actually have cultural influences, I had Daft Punk, a shitload of Neon, and Jeff Bridges looking 20 years older. But or not. I mean, does no, he look 20 years not. older? I don't think so. I think he looks exactly he looked 20 years younger. Exactly. How so, funny. So Tron Legacy is my wow. crusty, wow. crusty, crusty sequel. Okay. Excellent. Um... Well, mine has to be uh, T2, Train Spotting. Ah, right. Because oh, yeah. yes. I absolutely adored Train Spotting. And whilst mm. the second one didn't quite have the bollocks of the first one, it's a great it kind choice, of, mate. you know, it, it, it felt right, actually. As, a, as, a, as an aging man, it felt <laughs> the sort of lack, the lack of energy, although there was still a lot of energy in it, the sort of the, the change of energy in it felt exactly right to me, yeah. you know. 
I thought it was, uh, yeah, and it was good to see those characters back. They didn't quite do the follow-up book that mm. uh, that was written, but um, yeah, no, T two would be my choice. Definitely. That's a wicked choice. Mm. Yeah, good choice. No, no pressure then, no pressure whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking, and it's not quite a character sequel, but it is a actor sequel, which is Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins Returns. Ah. What? Yeah, because okay. because right. that was a stunning, stunning return in a different character. But <laughs> let's face it, basically, that was him, and it was a real love song to him, and it was an amazing sort of character return, although it was a different character. We all knew it was Dick Van Dyke, for Christ's sake. That was him. Yeah. And he looked about yeah. 55 years old, although he's about 125. <laughs> First yeah. time I saw Mary Poppins, I was surprised that it was Dick Van Dyke was the the old boy. I I was he completely fooled me when I was a kid that it was him. Yeah, you know, and because they do you remember at the end of the film they do that thing where the the credits rearrange themselves. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Where it says Dick Van and it because comes up as the old man as Nick Van Dyke. <laughs> Nick Van Dyke re- rearranged. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh my god, it was Dick Van Dyke. Oh my god, I didn't see that. But yeah, there you go. That was not at all interesting. Excellent choices, apart from Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins. Yeah, always Mary. took money. We yep. had a woman come out once. We wish because in the olden days you could still show Disney's. You know, in the eighties even before they went on home video, and we had a woman come out halfway through Mary Poppins and said, "This is far too long. Could you do something about this, please?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'll go straight to yeah. the director, and we're going to cut down by half. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm going to miss out real six just for you. <laughs> and me, because I want to go home early. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favourite is Blade Runner yeah. 2049, which we kind of talked about okay. before. Nice. Um, I absolutely love that film. He just, okay. Denny Villeneuve yeah. just absolutely gets everything about the original and, you know, expands on it. I think, this, I think the story's probably better than the original um, but the character's probably not quite as good as the original. Um, no Rutger but, Hauer. Yeah. yeah, Rutger Hauer is a main, main, you know, he's just a, and it's just an incredible presence in the first one that you could p- not possibly even hope to recreate in, in a sequel, but they did a great job in everything else, and I just absolutely love Blade Runner too. It's, it's not quite as efficient as the original, is it? It meanders a wee bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Mm. It, it is. Mm. It is long. It's a bit of a slog. But I think to cut it down would take away a lot of the atmosphere, which is another pro for me. Mm. How excited are you though for his version of Dune? I mean, bloody hell! I I'm very excited wait about that. For Dune. Yeah, I cannot wait for <laughs> Dune. I was talking to some people about that recently, and I was saying that I really, really hope that it's amazing and. You know, some of the things I've, some of the very brief images I've seen of it, um, you know, oh, right. okay. scenes and yeah. whatnot, uh, have been incredibly epic. Yeah. I do have a soft spot for the um, David Lynch, though, because it's so bonkers. Yeah, me too. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. but it, it is one of those films that you can, you know is doesn't work, but it's still fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I loved the book. It was a book I read as a teenager. Um, I absolutely adored it. I've not read the book. Mm. It looked far too dense for me. <laughs> But no, Denny Villeneuve should be brilliant, brilliant. Oh yeah, and I really hope it does well because he should be the he should have the same 
uh, freedom as Christopher Nolan for me because he can really push the boundaries and do something really special if he's allowed to, and I hope it does well for that. I just hope it's not overly cerebral because it, even though it might be amazing, it might not be too mainstream. I don't think it'd be super mainstream. But who like released that. the first anyway. one? Dino uh, De Laurentiis. Yeah, was it? wow. wow. But who was the distributor in the UK? It, oh, man. It was... Palace? UIP. CIC. It was CIC, I think. Yeah. Um, and I saw that. I went to the press show of that. That's how old I am. Uh, no, the, the 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 exhibitor screening of that, or what we used to call the trade show in those days, and it was in seventy mil at the Empire Leicester Square. There you go, in the old Empire Leicester Square. I'll send you. A, I've got a scan of the tickets if you're interested. Please do before the <laughs> ticketless came in. <laughs> right, I've got some quick fire questions yeah. for a quiz, and they're going to be quick fire because I don't want to dwell on them too long. So, uh, first one, I've been watching a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger films lately over in the corner while I've been working at home. Um, So, a lot of them feature him. (laughs) Uh, So, how many times has Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger worked with James Cameron? Five. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to say three. Yes, well done, three. Um, How many times has he worked with John McTiernan? Three. Uh, Don McTiernan, so five, be, uh, five, the, the the predator, and uh, one, no two, the 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 what's the name one? What was it called? Oh, uh, the one that flopped. <laughs> Columbia had last action hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, cool. So yeah, I'm well done. Two. So so okay. come on, guys, you've got to you've got to beat Kevin on this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's two James Bond uh, questions now, right? Ooh. So James, well, well, the kind of. James Bond, Daniel Craig, appears in motion capture form as Red Rackman in Steven Spielberg's Tintin. But what other Steven Spielberg uh, film did Daniel Craig appear in? Oh. Ooh. I it was the know. one in the Israeli war. Come on, Tony. Whatever it was called. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Amistad. No, Armistad. <laughs> Munich. Armistad. Trading. <laughs> Um, Sherry yeah, the one about Israel called Amistad. Yeah, I know. I just knew it, it was had, the one to do a, with the uh, uh, Munich. Yeah. Yeah, it was Munich, the, Munich, Munich, yeah, Munich. It was Munich. Or as I love da- Munich, as my my daughter calls it, Munch. Yeah, I love Munich until that last bit, which is a bit weird. I don't like that last bit. Don't worry. So, can you name all seven James Bond films that have a one-word title? Uh, Oh my God! Octopussy, uh, Goldfinger, no, Goldfinger. Uh, I'm, I'm going through Moonraker. Uh, we've got Skyfall. Skyfall. Moonraker. Golden Eye. Skyfall. Golden Eye. Golden Eye. Um. Spectre. Uh, Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Moonraker. Uh, Is that what Moonraker? Is that oh. all seven now? No, you got one more. Thunderball. Uh, Thunderball. Thunderball. Well done. Yeah. Good call. Well done. Good well done. Well done. You got that quicker than I thought. And he um, strikes. Okay. Love, love a bit of James Bond. Suave and a yes. misogynistic bastard. <laughs> Reminds me. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So this, this one's quite weird. This one, this yeah. question. So what film are the following words associated with? Oh, my God. Cirrus. 
Socrates, particle, decibel, hurricane, dolphin, and tulip. Bill and Ted's. Uh, is it Bill and Ted? No. Is it? Oh, serious. You thinking of something? Can you, can you give us a name? So great. Can you give us the words again? Cirrus, Socrates, particle, decibel, hurricane, dolphin, and tulip. Huh. Oh is it contact? No. No. Uh... Similar, though. Oh, okay. You're on the right line. No. Uh, Solaris. AI? Inception. No. AI, what? yes, it's AI. Oh, yeah, well done. You're joking. Yes, wow. it's AI. Yeah. They're the words <laughs> that are used to activate <laughs> David the robot. Ah, I don't know about that. Are you David? Are you I was David? Like, These aren't real people. They could understand this. This one is a bit of a nostalgia trip, but what have the actors Carrie Fisher, Bern Troy, Patrick Swayze, Steven Seagal, Roy Scheider, Sean Astin, Danny Glover, Daryl Hannah, and John Cleese all got in common? Oh, my God. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? No. no. Uh, they lived on the same house. Uh, Nope. I think I think Adam might be a slight disadvantage on this one, but uh... what? I feel like we're all at a disadvantage. I've got no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, run it by run, get let's have the names again. Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. Vern Troy, Patrick Swayze, Stephen Seagal, Roy Scheider, Sean Astin, Danny Glover, Daryl Hannah, and John Cleese. Uh, I I have no idea. Daryl Hannah, John Cleese. Sean Astin. Mm-hmm. They've all played vampires. No, no. Uh, he plays he was... uh, uh, Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the yeah, Rings. In Lord oh. of the Rings. and he was in uh, Goonies. He was. Why would and Lost Adam Boys. be a disadvantage? Was he in Lost Boys? Or have I got that wrong? Right. This this is a particular cinema operator, uh, particularly oh. a projectionist. Oh my or, god! Uh, type of a question. Uh, no, no, I'd say they, no, I don't. I don't I, I'm honestly drawing blanks. So I don't even know where to go. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll let you know. They have all featured in the orange gold spot advert. Uh, no. No. <laughs> well, we never had that in my cinema. It's Did not you know? Fair. No. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. But I've definitely got like reels upon reels of those old spots because I bloody loved them. Yeah, we they, don't have some of them. We never good. had the, We never. We never had the, that spot. We had the damp spot. That's all we had. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in 2004, film Sideways. What kind of wine did Paul Giamatti mm. never drink? Merlot, yes, Merlot. Merlot. Oh. Yeah. Merlot. 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 That was a quick Merlot. one. And in the yeah. film The Great Escape, what were the names oh. of the three tunnels? Oh, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yay! Yay! Yes, well done. Yeah. Well, so old. Well, I am old. I'm <laughs> freaking old. <laughs> what was the first film to be released using the digital sound format of Dolby Digital, or also known Batman as Batman Returns? Yes. God, Kevin. <laughs> I repeat, so you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I think I think Kevin won that. 
I'm gonna have to make them a bit harder, or maybe a little bit more modern. Yeah, that's uh, old. Yeah, kit. can you start in- including my age, please? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll uh, I'll think of some for your age. <laughs> think of some films from last year. Thanks. <laughs> so, thank you very much, everybody. Um, it's been it's ace. been an absolute blast. Um, drank nearly a whole bottle of wine to myself, Yay. which I'm not proud Yay. of, but there you go. <laughs> Um, I'm proud all. of you. Mike. I miss you all. I have you. to say, I do. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna hug you all so hard yeah, next time I, I see you. Yeah. I've missed you all so much. Yeah, it's 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 dark times, and listening to friends yeah. is good. So uh, it is. If it, and, o- if it overran a bit, everybody was sorry, but you know that's yeah. just the way it is. We haven't spoken to each other or anybody for a no. long time, so we <laughs> let loose. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as you. always, and until right. next time. Um, I'll bid you farewell and thank God I'm me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>